God bless you tonight. Man, what an incredible night, huh? This is great. Wednesday night, first Wednesday. And what a privilege to be here. The, the, the ushers, the hosts are giving you right now an index card. If you'll just take that and I want everybody to have one tonight and we're going to do something in just a little while. And while they're passing out the cards, just let me say what a, what a privilege to be here. I don't feel like a visitor here. Uh, this is just like being home, and I've been with you quite a while. And uh, it, it is interesting how God ordains our steps, okay? Um, I'm from South Carolina where Pastor Allen is. We grew up together going to youth camp together. And I think if you'd told either one of us several years down the road that we would be back in this situation, we never would have believed it. But that's how God works, and I honor them. He and uh, Dr. Valerie tonight, and love them and appreciate everything they've done. And then for J.C. and Kimberly, how God has blessed them, and our, our lives have just crossed paths together. And I'm so proud and just so thankful for what God is doing. Okay, we got one or two. Okay, I know it's Wednesday night. I know you've been up a while, but I said I'm thankful for what God is doing. All right, yeah. And, and let me tell you, the, the way this thing has happened, he talked about we were in Maryland and God just moved and they went there and planted the church and, and we came here and they came. Let me, let me tell you something. The church of God is not that smart. They're just not that smart. God orchestrates things when they don't even know what they're doing. And a lot of times they don't. Sometimes we just plug holes. That's just kind of the way it works. But God orders our steps. I believe that. And he's ordered that. And we're here and I thank God for that. Pastor JC just wanted me to share it with you. I, I asked him, I said, well, what are you doing? You got a series or anything like that you're doing? I want it to, to just fit right in. And he said, no. He said, I want you just to share your heart. So tonight, I want to I share with you what the Lord is speaking to me about. What he's saying to me. What he's been saying to me the last few days. And I'm not going to take long. And this is not going to be a sermon like I preached this past Sunday when I got finished, the guy said, I really like that fiery, mean preaching. That's what he said. I think that was a compliment. I don't know. But I don't have that uh, tonight. But I want to share with you. Something happened to me a few months ago. I went to a church to fulfill my responsibilities. I had preached in that church some number of years ago to a crowd about like this. Wonderful crowd. Now I found myself in front of, in the same building with about 30 people. It was over. It was over. And I'm working through the process of wh where do we go? What do we do? We can't pay the bills. You can't pay a pastor. So what's next? And in the middle of that, the thought just came to me. And I didn't ask them because I knew the answer. But the thought came to me, I wonder when the last time somebody found Jesus 
in this house. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered and they said this. This man welcomes sinners. And he even eats with them. This man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Let me ask you this question. Who are your friends tonight? Who are your friends? Who do you hang around with? Now, I'm not a real social media buff. Uh, Got a Facebook page that has my name and my wife's name. She does more of it than I do. But here's what I've learned, that not everybody that hits my Facebook page to be my friend is my friend. A lot of them just want to know my business. They want to know what I'm into. They want to know who I'm eating a hamburger with and all that kind of stuff. And really, you know, here's what I want to say to people when they show me where they're eating a hamburger, they show me their meal. I want to go, I don't care. I have a word for them. It's called nunya. It's nunya business. But one thing about Jesus was this. He was a friend of sinners. Now, I love all of this tonight, and I love everything that's going on. I love the new logo. I love everything that's happening in this church, and we need those kind of things. But let me ask you this. What's the bottom line about what's going on? What is the goal of everything that's happening? So I, I, here, I got curious about the mission statement of some businesses. What's the bottom line? So I, I looked at a couple of them. I want to share them with you. Barnes and Noble. Okay, we've all been to Barnes and Noble. Here's their mission statement. To operate the best specialty retail business in America, regardless of the product we sell. Now, they're kind of on the bubble right now. You get some, you lose some. Here's another one. Maybe you've been to this place, maybe you haven't. McDonald's. Now, I don't do a lot of McDonald's right now, but believe me, if you travel to a foreign country, you love to see McDonald's. They're the same everywhere. A McDonald's hamburger, a Big Mac is a Big Mac here, is a Big Mac in Dubai. And believe me, if you're in Dubai, you love McDonald's. But here's what McDonald's says. To be our customer's favorite place and way to eat and drink. And they do pretty good. Here's a couple more I looked at today. This is interesting. Target. I visited Target today. Target shoppers. Yeah, okay. All right. Here's Target. This is beautiful. We make Target our guest's preferred shopping destination by delivering outstanding value continuous innovation, and an exceptional guest experience, consistently fulfilling our expect more, pay less brand promise. Don't that make you want to go spend $100 right now? Isn't that just beautiful? So I looked at Ford Motor Company. Here's Ford. People working together 
as a lean global enterprise to make people's lives better through automotive and mobility leadership. Oh, hallelujah. Here's the biggie. Amazon. To be the earth's most customer-centric company to build a place where people can come to find anything they want to buy online. Amazon is fulfilling their mission statement. Just go to the mall and see how many places are going out of business. But the bottom line of every one of those is to make money. And if they don't make money, they're out of business. But what is the bottom line of the church? It's not just the building. It's not just having great programs, even though that is great and we need those kind of things for today. But the bottom line for the church is that we share the message of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this, and how beautiful the baptisms were tonight. But Jesus came, and the Bible says that he went and was eating with sinners. And even worse, the tax collectors. He was eating with the IRS. Hey, you want to shut down a conversation? I, w I was on a plane one time. I got, I got to share this with you. And there are times when I just need my space. And I was needing my space. I didn't need to talk to anybody. And this lady got on the plane. She got in the seat beside me and just... And she was just bombarding me. And I, I, I needed my space. And she talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And so finally it gets to the question, so what do you do? And I said, I work for the Internal Revenue Service. I did. I did. I'd had enough. Immediately. Whoop. I let it go for a while, but I knew I had to go to heaven. And I finally broke, broke the news to her what I was. But Jesus eating with sinners and even tax collectors. And the Bible says this, that there were people around him. The Pharisees followed Jesus, not because they loved him, not because they, they wanted to hear a great message, but they wanted to find fault with him. They wanted to catch him in something that was wrong according to the law because he certainly couldn't be the Messiah and break the law. And how can this man, they said, be a friend of sinners? He eats with them. He talks with them. How can the Messiah associate with sinners? This time, he was guilty. They had him. Now, Paul said this. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So in other words, if we need to know how to, feel, how to feel about something, find out how Christ felt about it, and you feel the same way. If we want to know how to respond in certain situations, how did Jesus respond, and you respond the same way? And so how Jesus responded to their accusations is he begins to give a parable, which was a true story to illustrate how he felt about sinners. And he begins to describe it, and you've heard it. But he said, I want you to know that a sinner is like a lost lamb. It's like a lost sheep. 
And he said how, how the shepherd would have a fold of 99. But the one shepherd that was lost, the one lamb that was lost, he would search it out and he would find it. Now, I don't know how much you know about sheep. Now, I've never been a farmer. My wife would like to live on a farm, she thinks. <laughs> She's not here tonight, so I can kind of say what I want to and get away with it. There's no way she'd live on a farm. That's no way under the sun she would do that. Get up and milk cows every morning? Nope, not happening. I can tell you that right now. But when our kids were growing up, we would take them to Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I've seen every kind of animal that you can imagine come through the circus and, and, and get in the circle. Lions, tigers, bears, dogs, cats, you name it, they come through there. But I have never seen a herd of sheep come in the circus and do a trick. Do you know why? Because lambs, sheep are dumb. You can't train sheep to do anything. They're too stupid, excuse that word, but they just can't do it. Now here we are, the people of God, and we like to talk about being the lambs of God, being the flock of God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me tell you something. That's not a compliment. See, here's the deal. And when I was growing up, there used to be a song, and I know Micah knows this. I'm so glad I found him. You remember that, Micah. Don't sit over and look at me with my eyes that are real big. You know that song. You could get over there right now and play that. I'll guarantee you don't do it. <clears throat> Here's the point. You didn't find him. I didn't find him. We were like sheep. Isaiah said that we all were like sheep. We had gone astray. But here's the real truth of the matter. The Lord found us. It would never have dawned on you. It would never have dawned on me that I was lost without the Lord had not the illuminating light of the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and spoke to your heart and said, you're lost. And the Holy Spirit said, come to Jesus. The Lord Jesus found every one of us. We'd have never come back home. Then the other part, he said, sheep are defenseless. They can't, they can't keep their predator away. The predator will kill them. He said, lost people are like that to the enemy. They are defenseless against the enemy. Listen, I know now as a believer, and don't you know the testimony of how many times the Lord has protected you? That you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he sent an angel and he protected you. But you know what I'm thankful for tonight? I'm thankful for the times that he protected me that I didn't even know about it. That he sent something my way. That he protected me and it's beyond that. And he said, lost sheep are like that. They'll never find their way back home. And the shepherd would go and leave the 99. Listen, the Lord in heaven is happy about everyone that's in here tonight, but his heart is grieving about the one that is out there that doesn't know him. But here's what he said after the shepherd goes and finds that one that's lost and brings it back. Here's what he said. There'll be a lot more rejoicing in heaven tonight over the one that is saved than all of us that are in here because he's come back home. 
And secondly, he said, lost people are like a lost coin. He said, I love them because they are worthless like a lost coin. Now, a coin is minted for one or two reasons. Number one, it's meant to be spent. You use it as currency when you go to the store. Now, we're moving toward rapidly toward a cashless society. I don't carry cash anymore. It's always just the card. But uh, the other thing is it is to be treasured. It is to be kept. And maybe some of you have old coins and uh, the silver coins and the nickel coins. And the longer that you keep them, the more valuable that they are. But when they're lost, you can't do either one with them. You can't spend them. You can't treasure them. And what Jesus was saying is, when a sinner is lost, it's out of the hands of the one who could treasure them and make their life valuable and help them to realize their worth in me. And let me share this with you tonight. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status they are and neither does it matter the color of their skin. Oh, come on here. Our nation is being ripped apart right now by racism. And let me tell you something about racism. Racism is a sin. The church that I was talking about, I looked at it. I looked at those people and the demographics of that community had changed. But was it representative in the church of the demographics of the community? No. And I looked at them and I told them, I said, you've got a problem. There is racism in this church. There's the people, the community, the lost people that's in the community. No, you've insulated yourself from them. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people gonna have a difficult time when we get to heaven. If they get there. I'm serious because the Bible says in the one place, one place in scripture that I really love, it says that when we get to heaven, we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. We're going to give it to him for the salvation that he has given to us. And it said that they will come from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that moment when every man, woman, boy, and girl from every kindred, tribe, and nation from around the world gathers at the throne. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not die to save capitalism. He did not die to save the white man, the black man, the Hispanic man, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. And not everybody who's on the street begging has lost their mind due to drugs. There are people sitting on street corners, men and women, who never intended to be there. But something happened. Something went wrong. And what Jesus was saying was, they're like a lost coin. I want to treasure them. I want to love them. And finally, Jesus said, sinners 
are like the lost son. And how we know this story. How the young man comes in and says, hey, the cocky little arrogant man. He comes in and says, hey, dad, my money now. Give it to me now. I'm ready to go. Vegas is calling. I don't need you anymore. I'm headed to where I want to go. And he leaves. Can you grasp how the father felt? Can you imagine how he felt to see his son go down the road? His son leaves and goes down the road, never thinking that the famine was going to come. Never thinking that the money was going to run out. Never thinking that difficulty was going to come. And while all of that is going on, here is the father. Don't you know there were days that he would get up and go look at the road and remember his son walking down the road. In his mind, he could see it. There were days, you know, his heart had to be wondering where his son was. Have you ever laid down in the middle of the night and wondered where your child was? Hmm? Come on, Micah. Have you ever laid down in the middle of the night and your heart was breaking? Where's my son? Oh, if I could just wrap my arms around him and tell him that I love him, I wish he would come home. You see, I'm not just telling you just a story. I know how it feels. I've been there. If I could just wrap my arms around them tonight. I don't know where they are. I don't have a clue. But one day, one day, and finally he comes to himself. The Holy Spirit grabs hold of him. The illuminating light of the Spirit to the Son. Feeding pigs. A Jewish boy in a pig pen. The last place he would be. Feeding him with the corn. Feeding him with the husk. He said, I'm going home. I'm going home. But I want you to see the reception because this is where the father is tonight. No doubt he's just looking down the road and he sees something. He... he, he sees a figure that I believe I know who that is. That's my boy. That's my boy. He's coming home. And what does he say? Get a robe. Get the robe and put on him. It wasn't just about sonship. Let me tell you what I believe that robe was for. He runs down the road and puts the robe around him to cover up his sin. To cover up the wounds of where he had been. Brothers and sisters, when they come into this church, may we have compassion. We're not here to condemn anybody, but we're here to put a robe around them. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
We love you. We forgive you. God forgives you. The past is over. Come on home. He brings him in and treats him as a son. He got the best robe. He got a he 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 got him new shoes and he he treated him like nothing had ever happened. What does the Bible say? There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. God help us tonight that we would be a friend of sinners. So let me ask you, who are your friends? Let me tell you what happened to me. Years ago, we were living in Chicago. Our kids were very small. And I loved to play basketball when I could play basketball. Now, it just hurts too bad. Now, my idea of warming up is three extra strength Tylenol. Before and after, as a matter of fact. But I would go to the YMCA during my lunch hour and play basketball. I loved it. I found myself playing with a group of guys who were not church boys. Get the picture? I mean, when I would go to the locker room, change clothes, one of the guys would be on the telephone and he was making his bets for the games that were going on, the professional games, whatever it was, basketball, baseball, football, Every day I'd go in, he was on the phone betting. I have no idea how he did. But we'd go play basketball, and you know what? Those guys cursed. They swore. I'd make a bad play. They'd curse at me. They did. Well, I just didn't just look right at him and say, I'm the man of God. You do not talk to me that way. I'm going to be a bishop one day. No. This may offend you, but that's okay. It's my story. But I kept talking to them. I never cursed. I never swore. You know what? They invited me to play on their basketball team. I'm not going to tell you who we played for. Because you'd get offended. You would. Some of you religious people would get offended. Yeah, let's just tell it where it is. But I played because I wanted to be a friend. I wanted to be able to share Jesus with guys that unless they gave their heart to him are going to spend an eternity somewhere they don't want to go. I kept playing with them to be a friend with them. I'd love to tell you that all of them came to Jesus. But I did get to share with them before I left Chicago. The message. The story. You see, you never know what kind of seed you're dropping in. One plants, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. It is is the Holy Spirit that will germinate a seed that you have planted. And here's the bottom line tonight. Jesus is coming. 
He is coming soon. And we are to win people to him. Now here's what the enemy does. The enemy will come to you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you tonight. I know. I know he is. And the enemy will come to you and tell you there's no way that your family member's coming back. It's too deep. It's been too long. It's impossible. They'll never come back. Let me tell you something. The very fact the enemy would tell you that should make faith arise in your heart because the devil is a liar. And the Bible is very clear. God is not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And here's what I believe it's time for the church to do. I believe it's time for us to rise up in the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm Pentecostal. I've been Pentecostal all my life. I know this is a Pentecostal church. But let me tell you, it's not a lack of power. The power has already been appropriated through the blood of Jesus, the power of his word, and the power of the Holy Spirit. What I believe is missing in the church today is the authority, taking authority that we have in Jesus. The Bible says this. In 2 Kings, Joash, Israel was surrounded. Syria had surrounded them. And Joash goes to Elisha, the man of God who was dying. The Bible says he goes to him because he knew in his own weapons, the weaponry that he had, he could not go against Syria. And so all that that Elisha told him to do, he said, take some arrows He said, first of all, he said, open up a window, the east window. The east was in the direction of Syria, his enemy. You see, here's what the enemy wants you to do. Accept it for the way it is. Don't do nothing. Just accept it. Nothing. You, here's, here's what he told him to do. Your enemies on the east, open up a window, shoot an arrow, and declare the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. What he was saying was, let your enemy know that in Jesus' name that you are coming after him. You're not going to accept it for what it is. You're not defeated for what it is. You are going to stand up and fight in the name of Jesus. The Bible says he took the arrow and shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Then he said, take arrows and strike the ground. The Bible says that Joash took those arrows and begins to strike. And stopped. And Elisha becomes angry with him and says, why didn't you stop hitting the ground? Why didn't you stop? He said, now you'll only defeat him three times, but if you had just kept hitting the ground, You would completely have destroyed your enemy. Here's what I believe it's time for us to do. It's time for us to pick up the arrows of the Spirit of God. The Word of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus. And keep striking the ground and striking the ground and striking the ground and striking the ground. Till there's victory in the house. 
till sinners come home, till children come home, till your son comes home, till your daughter comes home. Come on, get up on your feet tonight. Let me tell you what you have authority over. You have authority over the spirits that are at work. The demonic spirits that are at work, you have authority over them. And you know what you have to do? You have to get up in the morning and strike in the name of Jesus. I command every demonic spirit. I command the demonic spirit of drugs and alcohol off my children of rebellion, of sexual perversion. I command them to come off my children. The name of Jesus and what you do, you keep striking the ground and striking the ground and striking the ground till there's victory in the house.